worship your holy name today, Jesus. The name that is above all names, the faithful, the mighty name of Jesus. God, help us to block out any other distraction today. Fix our hearts, our minds, our affections, our focus on you and your word, Lord. Speak to our hearts today. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Good morning, everyone. Good to be home. Should have tried that out, shouldn't I? All right. What Jesus has to say about purpose is the message the Lord's placed on my heart today. And I must admit, there's a lot on my heart, my plate today, so bear with me and, and let me share what I think the Lord said for me to say. You may not say it in a good order, but you keep up best you can, okay? So today, please listen to this. Please hear me. Please be open, okay? No unnecessary guilt, all right? No unnecessary guilt, okay? No self-imposed guilt. If you're prone to unnecessary guilt, or self-imposed guilt, don't please let that go and don't let that miss what I feel God wants to say to us. All right? Don't you allow any, including me, Bible-thumping preacher to cause you to feel shame, to cause you to feel unnecessary guilt. All right? The only guilt for... Always, not just today, but always, always, always. The only guilt any of us should ever experience is the guilt and shame that comes from the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's it. Don't let others make you feel guilty. Don't let family make you feel guilty. Don't let this world make you feel guilty. Don't let any of these stories I share today let you feel guilty apart from the Holy Spirit, okay? That's really important. Because if you're not careful, you'll leave today going, man, I'm no good. And that is absolutely the opposite of what God wants to say today, all right? So, no unnecessary guilt, no self-imposed guilt, no shame. The only guilt any of us should experience is the guilt and shame that comes from the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Now, if the Holy Spirit convicts you, that's a different story. If the Holy Spirit convicts you, confess, repent, and just simply you do whatever the Lord tells you to do. Always confess, repent, and do what the Lord instructs you to do because the only being, the only one that any of us answer to is Almighty God, Jesus Christ. We don't answer to people. We don't answer to society. We don't answer to church. We answer to the Lord. You don't answer to this preacher or any other preacher. Your responsibility is to do what God says for you to do. And so that's the crucial, important thing. Now, also, we talked about this two or three weeks ago, and I just can't get away from it. I think it's important, especially in our day and time, for believers to keep in mind, regardless of race, background, or education, or anything, no guilt because of your DNA. Satan is really at work today 
dividing society and making people, working to cause people to be guilty because of their DNA. Not one of us had anything to do with our DNA. I told you I'm 98.9% white. I'm a white man. I, all my genetics is from Northwest Europe, England, Scotland, and Ireland. That's why I love the, I love the, the Irish. North, that's it. I, I was born in America. I was born with opportunity. Now, I was, I was, I was born into an enlisted Air Force family. Not a lot of money. My dad then became a policeman. Not a lot of money. I wasn't born into a lot of money. I wasn't born into, into you know, what we in America would call, you know, a silver spoon. But I was born into possibility. I was born, y'all. I was born into to opportunity to experience things that in many places in the world... They're just not born into. But it's God's business. And I want you to hear that before I share with you today. We should not feel guilty about what God has chosen to do. You had no choice in where you're born. You had no choice in your DNA. You're right-handed because of God. You're left-handed because of God. You may or may not be able to hit a curveball. I mean, it's genetics. Being able to hit a curveball, you can't learn that. Either you can do it or you can't. And if you can't do it, don't get mad that you don't get to play. It's DNA. It's the way we're wired. And we make the most of our DNA and move forward. But, but you cannot have DNA guilt. Because it is a worthless endeavor. So hear me clearly with that. Know that that's where I'm coming from. Know that when I share with you some of these stories today, no DNA guilt. Now, if we believers have something that God has blessed us with, and He has given us mercy, and He has given us opportunity, and we fail to return that blessing and opportunity in the way that He desires, we all should feel the sting of conviction. No apology for that. I'm saying to you, don't you self-impose guilt. Don't you feel guilt that is unnecessary, but no apology if the Holy Spirit convicts you of wasting what God has given you. Okay, so we, I hope we're clear about that. Matthew chapter 5, the words of Jesus. Lessons about what Jesus has to say about purpose. Jesus says in verse 13, He's speaking to believers. He's speaking to the disciples. He's speaking to people that believe in Christ that are His called out ones. He says, you are salt of the earth. You are. It's who you are. You don't become salt. You don't earn the right to be salt. You are salt. You don't have to become somebody you're not. You are salt just as you are as a believer in Christ, having the Holy Spirit in your life. You are salt of the earth. He says in verse 13, 
You are the light of the world. And so right up front, Jesus says to us, He's given us purpose, He's casting vision in us, and He says to us, we are qualified, we are unique, and by George, we're the one. We are the one. We are the ones. We are the people. We are the designated. We're them. We are qualified because of the Holy Spirit in us. We are unique. We all have a different assignment. We all have a different personality. We all have a different shape. But we all have an assignment. We are qualified, unique, and we are the one. We have the assignment. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste... Now, salt doesn't lose its taste. Did you know that? If you have pure salt it's always going to have salty context. It's always going to taste salty. It's always going to be salt. What happens, though, is other things are mixed in with the salt, and that's how it loses the saltiness. Sand gets mixed in. Dirt gets mixed in. Clay gets mixed in. Uh, uh, some other foreign substance gets mixed in. I mean, the Dead Sea, the salt sea, is it tastes nasty. It's, it's just a big glob of, of Vaseline, sort of. It's just, it smells, and it's just a beautiful place, but it's, it's not pretty. And, and the reason why that salt is so ugly and not only really available to put on and make yourself real smooth and silky and all those kind of things, it's got that property to it, but, but it's lost its saltiness. The salt itself is still there. It's just been, been laced with all kinds of impure things that takes away its saltiness. When the world gets a hold of us, we lose our saltiness. When we lose our edge, that we lose our saltiness. When we fail to live by faith and we no longer live by what God's Word says for us to live, we do lose our saltiness. We lose our testimony. We lose our purpose. It says it's no longer good for anything except for to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. That's an interesting uh, uh, addition that Jesus makes there. You just don't want to throw your salt on your grapes. Because that salt will kill the grapes, right? If you throw salt on the ground, it's going, to, it's going to kill what's there for a while. And so they wouldn't just take that salt and throw it out there in their field where they're planting their vineyard or their corn or their, you know, whatever it is, their tomatoes out there. They wouldn't do that. They would throw the unsalty salt or the salt that's lost its saltiness on the pathways where people walk. That's what they would do. So that's what Jesus is saying here. So, you are the salt of the world. You are qualified. You are unique. And you're, you're just the one. You are that one. Okay? You are the light of the world. Oh, that's a beautiful saying. that You are the light of the world. Man, I, I still have goosebumps when I think about on the last trip to Israel, we were driving around the Sea of Galilee at dark. And, and our guide pointed out a village that was way up in that hill up there, and it was dark where we were. It was a real dark place. And he went, look at the light. And I went, that's what Jesus was talking about. That's what they all saw, that light. You know what that light did up there in those hills back in this day? It showed you where it was. 
If you lived in that village or if you were going to that village or if that village was the pathway to somewhere else and if you were in the nighttime, if you were in the darkness, if you were in the evil of the world, that one light up there in that hill would lead you. We are the light of the world. We lead. We lead to truth. The light comforts. Did you know that light also always moves darkness away? Darkness never influences light. Light always influences darkness. You are qualified. You are unique. You're the one. Just like salt and just like light. No unnecessary guilt. Only if the Holy Spirit convicts you. So Jesus said to us, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And in this statement here, in verse 16, he says, uh, let's read 15 first. Uh, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, 15. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. This is purpose. This is assignment. Salt has a purpose and assignment. Light has a purpose and assignment. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So here's the thing. When we are salt and we are light, when we are salt and we are light, we live in such a way that a spotlight is put on our Heavenly Father. That's why we're here. That's why we're literally here in the world, here in the earth. We are here to put a spotlight on our Heavenly Father. How are you doing that? What's God doing in your life to cause that to happen? All right, let me share with you some stories that burned in my heart this past week. We got back from Uganda on Thursday night. How was it? It was fun, exhilarating, sad difficult, tiresome, lack of water pressure, lack of electricity, mosquitoes, vegetables, traffic, smells, poverty, no running water, beautiful scenery, beautiful, unbelievable beauty in Uganda. Takes forever to drive 50 miles. I mean, it takes all day to drive 50 miles. When it rains, you ain't never seen nothing quite like it. And it will rain. It has to rain five or six inches in an hour. And in another hour, all that water's gone. It's the most, and it looks like South Alabama red dirt, red clay looking stuff. And that water disappears. Unbelievable. Matuki. Matuki by the truckloads. Matuki is plantains, and it is the staple of their diet. And when they have matuki, I mean to tell you, they pile it up in your plate, whatever it is. They love matuki. And, and uh, Elijah, who is the driver, security guy on the, on the Elizabeth's Voice Squad and all those kind of things, he has a famous saying that's really funny to hear him say it. He goes, people have to eat matuki. We have to eat. What are we going to eat today? I don't know, but we're going to eat matuki today. And so the eat matuki. All right, first of all, my hoe. 
all across Uganda. That is the tool for everything. I mean, you don't see rakes. You don't see different kind of hose. You don't see hose like we have. That's why I bought this one over there. Uh, you don't see shovels. Let me tell you something. In those fields, you don't see green John Deere tractors with plows and discs and drills to put the seed in. You don't see it. You see this everywhere. Now, in those great big sugar fields, in those great big tea yards and fields, it's I'm sure there's some big machinery somewhere to take care of all that. But let me tell you, I looked. I, didn't ever, I never saw it. I saw two red Mac, Mac, uh, uh, Ferguson uh, tractors parked along the side of the road, not sure they ran. At the airport, they were using a tractor to pull the plane around. Not quite like Dubai or Dallas. But everybody has a hoe. And let me tell you something. Buying this hoe caused a great disturbance in this little village. I'm, I'm seeing this hoe everywhere. And, and we went for a little fun one afternoon and visited a coffee plantation. And uh, we got to plant our own coffee beans and dig. And, and the guy was digging and I saw that thing, and I said, man, that's a cool-looking gadget he's got there. And so I grabbed it out of his hand, and I said, where's my, where's my tree going to go? He gave me the seed, he said, right there. And so I got, and I dug with it, and I went, man, that, that's a good digging machine right there. And I thought right then, I said, I'm going to get one of them for my garden, because i got to dig in my garden. Well, when I went to get this, and so I told, I told Moses, our driver, said, stop here, Moses, I'm going to go in there and get me a hoe. He said, what? You get hoe? I said, yeah, I'm going to go in there and get a hoe. Why do you need hoe? I said, I need a hoe. I want one of them hoes. And so, oh, you know, so he stops and, you know, big dog, get out and get the hoe. And, and so I get out and, and in this little village, I mean, it's probably been 100 years since a white man got out of a van <laughs> and walked across that ditch and walked into that hardware store. But, oh, in, in this really uh, probably... Uh, I don't know, uh, he, he looked like he had never changed his clothes, dirty, and he obviously had some kind of intellectual problem and some kind of physical ailment that he was dealing with. He comes over, grabs my hand, and, and walks me into that hardware store like I couldn't make it because, you know, big fat white people can't walk across the ditch and go into a hardware store. And so, uh, and so I'm in there, and he's standing there smiling, and the hardware store guy said, may I help you? So I can... I said, I want a Ugandan hoe. He goes, excuse me? I said, I want a hoe like you guys have. And, and he goes, and I said, right there. This was, had a big stack of these sitting right there. I, said, I want one of those. And he gets it. He said, and handle? I said, yeah, I want one of those handles because these handles, they're not, they don't look to me like they've been whittled with a, like a, in a company. It's not smooth. It looks like, you know, they've had a plane or something on it. I said, that's what I want. How are you going to get it back? I'm going to put it in a bag and go across the world with it. That's what we're going to do. And so I get this hoe, and I go walking out. And there is 10, 15 people gathered around. And this lady, this young gal, she's just laughing. And she goes, you don't dig. And I said, I sure do dig. No, you don't dig. You have someone dig for you. I went, I have you know that I don't have anybody dig for me. I dig. I dig. 
And uh, we laughed about it. We got it. She said, that, that old guy really believed. I didn't dig. And it dawned on me right then on the TV, pretty much what all Ugandans know about America is CNN and the Kardashians. And I thought, they watch CNN, we're all scared, we're all afraid, we're all angry, and, and we're all racist because we're white. Because that's my interpretation of what you get from CNN. And if you watch Kardashians, we're all selfish brats. I said it. I've only watched a little bit of the episode. I stand by my position. And that's all they know. A white man doesn't dig. That's the difference between our world and their world. So how big is God? God is so big that if God calls us to an assignment that we are absolutely polar opposites in culture, it shouldn't happen, but it could happen, and it can happen, and it is happening. That's what I learned about this whole. We're different here than there. But if God calls us to do something, by George, no matter how hard it looks, no matter how difficult it looks, no matter how unreasonable it seems, remember the hoe. If God calls you to do something, pick up your hoe and get in that field. Now all across Uganda, kids, ladies, men, I'm telling you right now, if you drive by the highway, this is what you see walking down the road. They're all going in their field, coming back from their field, or they're all out in these big fields. And I mean, their head is down and they are working. We don't do that. We don't have to do that. You can go down here and buy you a $75,000 John Deere tractor with all the implements that will do everything they're trying to do with this. Everything. And by the way, our kids are not in the field with this. They're at school. Those poor kids aren't. Most of those kids are not in school. They're not. Matter of fact, you see kids going to school in the morning, the afternoon, back and forth. It looks like in some of the schools, they got to, you know morning group and evening group. Kids go to school, but most kids that I saw out in the countryside have got one of these in their hand. We're different than that. Their school, their school is, it's got a roof on it, and it's got a little mud on the side, it's got some concrete that they scrape over brick, and brick's made everywhere. They make their own brick. And they've got these big mounds that look like termite mounds, and somehow or another, they're killing, killing, K-I-L-N, I don't know how to say it, I can't say it, I don't know how to spell it, I can't say it. They got that fire burning everywhere in the countryside. And they're making their own brick. Really an amazing thing to see. Very industrious, I would think. But they're very different than we are. And that hoe, to me, represents that. You don't dig. I do dig. But you know the truth is, you know what I dig for? A hobby. It's just a hobby to me. I like growing stuff. My garden right now is horrible with all this rain we've gotten. There's, I don't know if this hoe is going to be able to, in my hands, is going to be able to get rid of all them weeds. I'll give it a shot. But the hoe is in their hand, 
so they can eat. And you see gardens everywhere. You see gardens. Beside a road, beside a highway, beside a, a, a building in town. Someone, it looks to me like, someone just says, that's my yard, that's my plot of land. And they're out there with their hope. And they're working and they're planting stuff. Good news is you can grow anything there. It's unbelievable. It rains, the sunshine is cool, and it just it's beautiful for vegetation. It's got the prettiest flowers you've ever seen. We're always trying to grow lantana. I'm always trying to grow lantana because it's the only thing in my neighborhood them deer won't eat. Lantana grows crazy there. No one's planted one of them. They're five and six foot tall, big, beautiful flowers. I went, oh, that's really something. That's, a, that's really a unique thing. But the point I'm trying to make is God just might call you to do something that doesn't make one bit of sense. It might be in a third world country. It might be in a second world country, whatever that looks like. It might be in a first world country. It might be right here. Wherever God assigns you, no matter what it looks like, go and do it. Go and do it. I saw it in action. My daughter, and I'm going to talk about her today, no apology given. It's, 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 if your daughter was there and I'd experienced this week, I'd be talking about her. My daughter has no business being in Uganda. From how she was raised the culture in which she was raised, and all those kind of things. And, and let me tell you something. It's unbelievable. Susan whispered to me in, in, the, in, the, in the village out in the country when we were watching her in action. She said, isn't it fine to see her in her element? I went, holy cow. Holy cow. So this is what we saw. She's not where she's supposed to be from a worldly viewpoint, from a human viewpoint, but God is at work through that crazy nut girl. Now, we raised a lot of money. A lot of money was given by you because you're salt and light to help Peru. We really help Peru through the COVID thing. We're helping in Cambodia. We're helping in all kinds of places. Whatever is your sweet spot and your pet project and your emotional tie, don't get your feelings hurt. I'm talking about Uganda. I just got back from there. So don't lose your track of the way here. All right? But Elizabeth's Voice raised $27,500 for COVID relief. Amen. You clap if you want to. Thank you. Hallelujah. And most of it came from you. Most of it came from you. You're salt and light. Let me tell you what the Lord's done with that, 27.5. Now, there was already beginning of all the products they're selling and all that's going on the last five years. It's not the same thing. I got to go two years ago. It's not the same people. It is the same people, but they're not the same. Their kids are going to school. They, they're upgrading where they live. You can see that they're having more and more influence. They are becoming more salt and light in their community, but we really got to see it this time. So we pull up, we land in Uganda, go through the, the, all the processes of the airport, go to the village, and when we, we get to the compound where Evelyn now lives, 
and, and she's got a, brick, a, a stone wall around it, or I don't know what we would call it, it's a fence, but you can't see through it. And there is loud music going on, and there is dancing going on there, and there's got to be 150 people inside there. And Amy looks around, and she smiles and said, the greeting party. And I'd seen it a little bit, but not at this scale. And they, they open the door, and when they see us, Amy's here, Amy, Papa, Papa, Amy, that's me. Uh, Mama Susan, Mama Amy is here, that's what they say. They just got dancing and doing all the thing, and I mean, they surrounded us. And I just go, oh, I'm tired of being, being in that airplane, and oh, man. And I go, oh, smiles, rejoice, dance, you know, but let's go. And uh, it's amazing. And they dance for a good 30 minutes. And they are crying and they're greeting her and they're celebrating. And there's people I've never seen before when I was over there. I see her ladies, even the new ladies that I've seen pictures of, I can recognize them. They've all got their Elizabeth's Voice t-shirts on and all those kind of things. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing going on. It is a greeting. And then we all sit down and they have a program. And here's the program. $27,500, which I'm sure none of them know was the amount other than Evelyn, I suppose. We are so grateful to you that during COVID, we got to eat. You see, we are different than there, just like our equipment is different. You see, there, because of the government, because it's even though... Our government oftentimes is corrupt. Nothing probably compared. Nothing probably compared. They had a deal where you had to buy matuki, which is the staple of life, and all those things go with it. Irish is potatoes, by the way. If you're ever over in Africa, so you want some Irish? It's just potatoes. Give me some Irish. Not whiskey, potatoes. Don't get messed up. Get really excited and they mess with you. Yeah, I'll take some Irish. Uh, Man, heart-wrenching. They were shut down for four months. The only way you got to buy food, you had to buy it in bulk. So the only entities that got to buy food were the government people, the, the upper end. I don't know what the percentages are between the, the real rich and the real poor. It's probably 3 or 4% up top, maybe a small percentage of middle class, and then mostly poor. The poor people didn't get matuki. They gave, they gave some food to the, to the mayors of the different villages, but that soon ran out. And somehow or another, the supply chain from the matuki field to the little villages all across Uganda with all those kids, 30%, I mean, 80% uh, of the population, 30 years and younger, most of them not going to school. I mean, to tell you, Heart wrenching, heart just pulling in that deal. And, and they're talking about, we got to eat. And we fed our village, both villages. We had the same experience. We get there, the dancing, all this going on. In both villages, both chiefs, both mayors came to the celebration. And one Muslim, one Christian. And both mayors said the exact same thing to us. We ran out of food, but we heard about the Elizabeth's Voice women. Now they call it the Elizabeth's Voice women, the people that actually have steady jobs. 
They had food. And not only did they have food, but they were willing to share that food. Now, I don't know how much Matuki, $27,500 goes, but the mayor said they never ran out of food for all those four months. I reckon the Lord multiplied. I'm not sure how that works. I don't know how to answer that. I just listened and went, wow. That's really, really, really something. And Papa's heart, obviously. A pastor's heart, obviously. A heart that cares, obviously. I'm broken looking at my daughter. How in the world did one girl who's not the most extroverted, who's not the most outgoing, is some of the most sarcastic person you'd ever meet. But how in the world did that happen? Not only one village, but two villages. I don't know how many people they fed. I don't have a clue. You know why? Because the Lord said, you are salt and light. You are salt and light. You are salt and light. How is this going on? Because God is God and He is powerful. And if we are available to be who we are and simply do what the Lord has said for us to do, that's it. That's it. It's a simple tool. It's what I have in my hand. If I choose to get with it, I can make a beautiful garden. Even if I don't dig. Even if I'm like, everybody thinks I'm like the Kardashians. I'm nothing like the Kardashians. I can't even spell Kardashian, and I don't even want to spell Kardashian. Right? We're different. Different as can be. It's, I don't even know if we can buy a hole like this here. But guess what? In the Lord's hand. Because we're salt and light. So, they got this sound system. I spoke to as many men as we could gather. We probably had 100, 150 men there on the Sunday afternoon. Didn't go real well. Muslim mayor came back. Muslim leader came, and after I was done, you can tell their feathers are ruffled, and they had to give their share, their story. And it's the African way, evidently, if a mayor shows up, or a chief shows up, or a dignitary shows up, you let them speak, even though the Manzugo came all the way from Texas to get to speak, and by gosh, this is my time. I got my speech done, I talked about, you know, living for the Lord, and what it means, and Jesus Christ, and all those things, and, and, and then they took over. But we had three events. We had the gathering at First Village. Then the, I got to talk to all the men of that village. And then we had the gathering at the rural village. And each time, for reasons unknown to me, they had the sound system guy there. And they had two or three guys that were, I guess they were trying to get a little extra money. I can see that there's a little bit of people really coming around the Elizabeth's Voice establishment because the money's flowing there, even though, you know, what we can, what, $10 a week? 
you know, whatever they're making on their product. I don't know what the money is, so don't get me started. So, um, but there's a guy there that's run the sound system, and I can tell during my lesson that he understands English because, you know, I'm really funny. Even in Ugandan, I'm funny, you know. <laughs> and a couple times I saw him laughing before the interpreter talked. And sometimes he laughed, even if the interpreter didn't tell it right, and they didn't laugh, which pavement doesn't work in Uganda either. Payment or pavement. <laughs> That's a beautiful joke, and you left me, I left me disturbed. All right. So I can tell he speaks English. And so a little conversation with him after the first greeting, a little conversation with him after I got to talk. And I love his dreads. I told him so. Dude, I'd swap heads with you right now. I, I mean, they were pretty. And he, pretty nice looking man. I went, Lord, I could use a little bit of that going on right now. So we drive out to the rural village. And, and these people were, were poverty. I mean, it's amazing the difference in them now. Their skin, the way they look. Their kids are going to school because of the school fees that many of you are paying for. You are salt and light. They didn't go to school. There was no chance of going to school, and now they are. Unbelievable to see that. Now listen. So we have the big celebration. It came a downpour like you never saw. And we're all in there under this little tent thing, and, and uh, he walks over to me when it's raining. And we're standing at the corner of it. And he looks at me and I said, you speak English? He goes, yes, a little. I said, no, you speak good English because you, you've heard everything I've said, I could tell. He goes, I, I learned how to speak English. Doesn't speak it like we do, but you know, there's a little accent there, all kind of stuff. So he just starts uh, trim, trembling, like he's about to cry. And uh, he said, why? Why? That's all he could say is why. And, and I go, why are the Manzungo here doing this? He went, yeah. I said, are you a Christian? He goes, yes. I said, it's because of Jesus. He just shook his head and went, I, I, I've seen so much. These people are different. You're helping these people that you don't even know. I said, Jesus. I, I mean, now, that girl over there is why I'm here. I want to help her do what God's called her to do. God put it on her heart. God did not put it on my heart, but I'm coming along and helping the best I can, and I encourage others to do what, you know, I had this long conversation that he really wasn't interested in. He just wanted to answer why. And all I could tell him was Jesus. And, and he had a little tear running out of his face, and, and he said, I'm a Christian, but not like that. Wow. And I said, well, friend, there's a whole lot of us Christians who aren't like that. But you know what? We all can be. And I don't know 
your situation or what's going on, but you can be like this. You can help other people, dude. And he just, he was stirred. And I recognized the work of the Holy Spirit, and so I was done. Nothing else to really tell him. And listen, it's all because one little preacher's kid heard her assignment, and because she is salt and light, this all is going on. Now, Africa's in a mess. There's so much to do. Uganda, there, I mean, you couldn't, be, you couldn't begin to really even make a dent, but she is. There is some activity there. By comparison, it may be such an insignificant percentage of people that are being blessed by this ministry and by you. But hey, that's God's business, right? What are we responsible for? What are you responsible for? What am I responsible for? Tickety-boo. Everything is right between me and the Lord. I am saved, I am born again, I have security in my salvation. Tickety-boo. Remember we talked about what it means to be tickety-boo? So tickety-boo, what does the Lord want me to do? And whatever He wants you to do, guess what? You are salt and light. And look what Jesus had to say. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. It doesn't matter what the assignment is. It doesn't matter how exotic it is in the church service, right? I mean, Uganda, that's exotic. Africa, that's exotic. All those things. It, it might be in your neighborhood, in your street, at your workplace, by George, at your school, wherever you go, however it looks. Lord, what do you want me to do? And if you would just be the salt that you are and the light that you are, and if you were just let your goodness flow out and that your light will shine before others and that light that comes from Jesus, they will see the glory of our Father who is in heaven. What does the Lord want you to do? What are you under conviction of right now? What has He been speaking to you about? But you have all kinds of reasons. You're not qualified. You are qualified. You're not unique enough. You are unique enough. You are. How do I know that? Because Jesus said it. Right here, He says it. You are salt. You are light. You are. You are enough in Christ to do whatever He calls you to do. Even if it's with a hoe that a man that doesn't dig for survival has in his hand. Pick up the hoe. Pick up your hoe. Pick up your assignment. Do what God's called you to do. And let's see what the Lord does. No unnecessary guilt. No self-imposed guilt. If you are just burnt up right now 
with regret, lay it aside right here and now, and start brand new. He, he may have called you to something and you know He did and you didn't do it and you're just feeling just great conviction of sin right now and disobedience. He is here to rescue you, restore you, put you back. He's not done with you. You're here. You're alive and you're breathing and you're, you, you are salt and light. Father, I pray that you'll just burden each of our hearts today. If you need to come to the altar and talk with our Lord, come. If you need to be saved today, come. If, if you need to renew your faith to God, will you come to just before the Lord and talk with Him? Help us pray for you. Will you just come? Lord, speak to every heart. Lord, I just pray that the testimony shared today, your spirit will convict us and may there be however many people are here today, leave understanding they are salt and they are indeed light and they are your precious people and they are unique and they are qualified. And, and Lord, you have so much to do in their life. Help us, Lord, to get beyond ourselves and just live for you. Do you need to just come and kneel at the altar today and just surrender to Him? Just give it all to Him. Give it all to Him again. Just say you're sorry. Receive His grace and His forgiveness and just, just experience the goodness of the Lord. Will you come? Will you come as Matt sings, as a song goes on for us? Will you just come? Will you remember the whole? Will you remember 27.5? 27.5 is no big deal to us. We could raise 27.5 without even taking an offering. We do it all the time. Oh my goodness, what our faithfulness does in the hands of the Lord. Oh my. Will you hear His call? Will you just do what God calls you to do? No unnecessary guilt. No self-imposed guilt. Only if the Holy Spirit convicts you. Will you just be restored in Him, whatever He desires today? In Jesus' name, amen. Stand and sing and come and kneel at the altar and get right with the Lord and, and just leave with the victory that is yours in the Holy Ghost. Come and know Him today. Sing for us, Matt.